Welcome back to Anime Savants, everyone. Um, uh, this week, I am Sue. Sue. Wait, no, that's not her fucking name. Whatever, I'm fucking Ariel. But like the new Ariel with like the jetpacks and, and like the big, the big ass, ass gun. gun. The yeah, big the, gun. The, yeah, that's the big who I fucking am. gun, I think, is the uh the critical piece there. Yes. Um who do I want to be this week? What was the name of that uh the swords the old swordsman from Beast of Ours? Because he had the Oh Zen. Yeah, Zen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Zen. Yeah. Give me that. Yeah. Oh, what well okay, well speaking of that, but other thing, did you see the new promotional um the visual for season two yes for, yeah so that all of that bright happy dappy slappy color palette bye bye it's gone we're done with that shit bye it's, bye. it's over it's over this is gonna be some gundam gundam from from here on out so um g- great lead up great first season great lead up and here we fucking go. All right. Didn't know we were getting it in uh, April. I don't know why. We talked about this, that they were having only a one-season gap. but Yeah, um, I think, well, I was confused. I thought they were doing a two-season gap, um, and we were going to get it in summer. But April, I'm not complaining about that. Which, also, uh, April's season is also looking to be stacked with a lot of new stuff, which is great. But then that's also just like, well, shit, now I want to try everything out. So, great. And it, it's... Hell's Paradise is in April, isn't it? Yep. Well, that's going to be something there. I'm very um, excited. Very, yeah. very, very excited. Normally, like, uh, when I when I judge my, my level of interest in a season, it's usually actually given by how much time I think I'm going to have to watch stuff rather than uh-huh. like what actually comes out. Because it's like, you know, eventually the, 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 the chaff will fall away, you know? You, you, you're down to like three or four series. It's kind of manageable. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I don't think I'm going to have enough time to watch all the things I really want to see that I know will be good. Like, it's a problem at this point. So. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, speaking of Zen, what did you think of Oz? They finally kind of got the tempo back up with the, a lot of pieces of the main story. Yes. So, we, so I think the highlight for me of this episode was uh, uh, Zen versus... Yeah, the dude with the um, size. Facade? What was his name? That's what he said. I don't remember if that's like an alias or that's Yeah, I think I it's an remember. alias or something. Yeah. Uh, but there was so much in this episode that we built up a little bit. Like, you know, the fact that when Kumi runs into the other cleric and then has like the mental breakdown where you see the flash. It's either, I guess it's a flashback, but with all of the other time. Kumi clones where she's like, you know, on an altar or something. It's like, come on, bro. This is cool. What's going on? I mean, that gave um, me flashbacks to, um, not Faputa. What the fuck is homegirl that got, that got put into the case? Oh, um, Shit. uh, from, from, uh, Made in Abyss. Um, from the movie. From the movie. Bone Druth, little girl. Oh my yeah. God. I done forgot her name already. That's so bad. It's, it's so, the, oh, the season was so traumatic. I done forgot the new, the damn girl's name. Oh well. well, y'all know who I'm talking about. The one, the with the the whistle, the whistle. But um, that that gave me a flashback to that. So I was like, oh my god, is this about to get really dark? And then it did it. It was just showed. It just showed them like staring at her. Yeah, it's mad creepy. Also, like the witches or whatever they were, the ones we're talking about, 
the acts of resistance against God. And the god got of that... uh, the god the gods of ours are right, and they got the weird head headdresses with the the weird faces on them. I wanted to see if the faces were talking at the same time as them, because that would have yeah. been fucking creepy. But they kept panning it down. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't know if it's just like an affect or whether it's like a, you know, something else that's just a look. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way. We got a lot of violence in this episode. Death. A lot of it. De- like, mad people died because all the mountain people got turned into dust. Dust, yeah. Um, which is yeah. fucking crazy. Uh, again, the fight at the beginning, Facade and Zen. We get Facade again versus Jiro. And I Jiro, mean, I don't think... Did Jiro always have... Wait, okay, yes, he did always... He had, like, a time limit with, yes. with Kumi. Yeah, there was always a time limit. But for some reason, he said this... It seemed as though this time, he said, like, he felt like his energy was being drained. So I'm assuming right. that was because of the the perfect... Not the perfect Kumi, but the... But the other the other girl, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, the other it girl, was related to that. But also, like, Kumi couldn't keep her shit together. Yeah. So, I, I don't I know if they have to be in when uh, Facade didn't remember Jiro because the... Those two guys that got the reassignment, they were in the basement. And one of them was like, do you know how you can get a quick a shit ton of money? You can go join this troop. And he was yeah, like, yeah, I want to join it. And then they were like, oh, he's like, you dumbass. Like, you, you, they give you so many drugs, you don't even remember who you are. Yeah. And so well, I'm wondering if point. that's what happened to Facade. Like, was he part of Special Forces after he and Jiro... I don't know. We still don't even know what happened with that. Something happened. And it definitely was like a disastrous mission of some kind. You yeah. Know, shit, went, shit went real left. And it may be the case that because Jiro quit, you know, obviously he got to keep his mind intact. Whereas yeah. it looks like Facade stuck around because he still had his uh, cleric with him and, you know, whatever. I don't but know. But he apparently hates paladins. Right. So, so it's all very curious, and that's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm, I'm invested to find out what that relationship is and sort of what actually happened. And in the previous weeks, I think one of the, I won't call it like a, a problem, but it's just just a, a fact of what they were doing. You couldn't necessarily be sure what story they were going to follow. It probably wasn't going to be one of the B or C stories that we get a little breadcrumb on. So the reason I like this episode so much because finally we're like merging the streams, yeah. right? So, like, now I feel more confident that in the next episode or two, we're going to learn more about whatever that their relationship was, whatever that history was, whatever the fuck is going on. So, now now I'm sort of more excited. Oh, I like the history drops, too, about Homegirl talking about the prophecy and that the the beasts, or, like, the head of the beasts was mad that the humans built walls or some shit like that. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. so there's definitely a some pact or something that was made that was broken but then we also have i thought that scene with the um the prime minister or whatever and the scientist i thought that was real interesting because he had the scientist shook yeah like a motherfucker and they yeah. keep highlighting those green whatever c- candy crystals. crystals yeah and we still don't know where they come from so I mean, it's not, I think we I think it's a good guess that you know it, it's from the beasts. And yeah. It but it has some relation to the power that the clerics have, but clearly mm. like that black mist 
is is different than just like uh you know what allows Jiro to kind of be a superhuman even without merging. So there's a lot of uh, stuff in yeah. there that I don't that you know it's not yet been described what's going on, but it's still really really interesting. Um, and I assume it's gonna we'll, we'll be forced to learn a lot more about it um, because we're gonna get a rematch. I mean, obviously. Oh hell happen. yeah, hell yeah! But I really did enjoy Zen and Facade's fight. That shit was fun. Yes, no, I yeah. agree. Um, I mean, look. Sometimes the show kind of cuts its corners, but I think like it does so to save a little bit of money for episodes like this because there was a very there was a minimum of still shots and then you know people yeah. talking like it was a lot of action. Um, I thought um, Milan also had interesting like a little bit of character growth, even yeah. though he was with Baban in the episode. Like you start to see what that group is together and they all kind of do have chemistry so that's a good thing yeah i think the main thing we're missing is uh rabbit girl's history yeah so i i think that we have a we have more more backstory to learn but actually the now that i think about it like what are the what are the big questions it's what's jiro's history with clerics and how he got where he was what is the origin of uh kumi her relationship to like the lab, the other like cl- I assume they're clones, you know. Like yeah. those are like the those are the big questions. As of right now, nobody else's backstory really plays into like answering any of that or like any of the drama that we're dealing with at the moment. So I'm pretty confident that for Milan, for the Sh- chapeau, and then also for um, uh, the rabbit girl, like you could deal with that in an episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's my guess. So I'm good. I'm I'm happy with it. It was pretty. Yeah. If you take out the fight scenes and the, and that one um bit with like the the politician and the scientists, mm-hmm. they actually that's that's the whole episode because there was a lot of there was a lot of action. There wasn't a lot of like yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, that did last a while. Oh. Yeah, which I'm happy with. I'm happy with that. I'm not upset at all. Yeah, I wasn't um, expecting like craziness. I was just expecting movement, and we we got a lot of it. So yeah, yeah, I agree. that was good. Um, what did you think of Kaina? I thought that I I like to watch Kaina now because I forget. You know, like people, oh, the CGI, this or that. Like something about the the animation mm-hmm. is very like it's a weird word to use, but it's like it's very like calming to look at. Like it's yeah. a it's a it's a well, it's like a scene, pleasant watch. That scene where they like first walked out into the snow sea underneath yeah it. I yeah was like, this is gorgeous like what the fuck man it looked yeah. really 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 good and then their journey throughout it and my first thought when they started walking out through that shit i was like because no one has explored this shit y'all are gonna run into a monster or two that you've never ran into and that's exactly what happened and i was like thank you this is logical and now, in the back of my head, I don't have to be like, okay, but what about what about Snow Scene? What about the things that are down there? What about the... It's like, no, they got attacked by some shit that they weren't expecting, and they got away. That That's enough for now. But yeah. overall, what what did you think of the Admiral? So, do, I still can't stop looking at... Uh, oh, um, I noticed the cat ears this time. You saw, you saw the yeah. cat ears? Yeah. It's hard to unsee it once you see. It. I think. I think. I mean, it's, it's definitely on purpose. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I look at it, I'm like, oh, she's kind of cute, but she's also evil as fuck. Um, no. So the admiral. So you're talking about like the scene at the end when um, 
Uh, well, no, really I thought hard? that nigga was gonna actually like do some. I thought he was gonna like scar Lily's face or some shit with like the hook because he was just like, oh, okay. Like, and she was talking back. Oh, a yeah, she, she, she had that sass mouth. You know, yeah, she let, she let I was it fly. Like, you could get like a, a hole through your chin. Like, relax. But Well, I like the fact that, that this show, with maybe the exception of Kaina, but even in his case too, a lot of very confident characters. Like, yeah. everybody is very confident. And the reason why that's good is because when you need to like move the story or like properly define one character in opposition to another i i it becomes believable like Liliha basically be like yo my dad's not gonna you know budge on shit and uh fuck you essentially like i'm gonna die on my feet like let's go like i believed that her character would say that and would act that way also, even though she's still a child smart she's good at like oh yeah shit because that whole thing with the the other princess, she almost had her ass for a moment there. I mean, and- she put her in a position where she at least had to think about whether Lilia was telling the truth about the yeah. sage. And so to put that, so to back up, like in that scene, so Lilia's in is locked up on the ship, and she uh, essentially threatens, um, you know, the, her captors by saying. I got to the canopy. I met sage the sage. Sage is coming for you, nigga. Right, and we know that that's a a lie. But she, you know, weaves the story that like you know uh, you all gonna go down, and the proof that I met the sage is that guy that you ran to on the ship. You know, he's a disciple of the sage, and so it's a good beat because I have a feeling that where the plot is going is obviously that kinda will uh, will occupy the role of the sage by the end of the story because even if of her it is, making that shit up yeah or that or like by circumstance right because he's he'll be from the canopy and he's this inquisitive person remember he was like trying to read the characters that he saw on the yeah. blanket you know which i thought was a great callback to the request that the um sign keeper made to him which is like no don't forget to to read when you're on the surface mm-hmm. and there he is like you know he hasn't fully connected the dots yet but like that is in him and he also has a like the, the i keep waiting for that laser tool to come into play where he's gonna have to like overuse it and it's gonna yeah because they are because they said that that's a problem yeah and it's like okay then i bet that's gonna come up as like a plot point um but specifically he does have knowledge that other people do not have and as they make it clear in this episode that th- these characters are probably going to dive into the snow sea because i think again all the answers to questions are under the snow they're not above it yeah so at some point he and that group are going to have a lot more information about solving the problems that people are dealing with so at the moment the main thing is getting lily out of out of dodge but in the long term for where the story is going yeah exactly it's gonna be the the adventure and he will sort of kind of in a sense become the sage Whatever that, Which, whatever that means. I think it's all coming together in such a cool way because those people, they never had the technology to survive under right. the sea. So that's why right. that shit just never got explored beyond we move up. The sea's moving up, so we build up. Like, that's all we've been doing. And that's all we're yeah. going to do. Yeah. So I really liked how I was kind of like, yeah, this is literally like unexplored territory for all these people that are alive currently. Because they are the descendants of the people who lived lower than them. So Yeah. And they also made it like pretty clear how you could 
do like an expedition under there if you had like those air pockets and yeah like that. so i'm like i i'm so do the i don't know did they explain like do the nuts replenish in the air pockets they clearly do i think it's like um so in you know our real world you have like rebreathing technology where the idea is that if, if you have oxygen and co2 when you breathe in and breathe out that's what you're separating yeah. and so then you have like some usually it's like a uh uh looks like a, like it's stone or something but it's like you know you have some kind of thing that will collect the carbon dioxide so that you can kind of breathe and rebreathe with just oxygen getting re-added because if you don't do that then you get uh co2 poisoning so they're just doing it in a natural way like there's some kind of plant or these nuts that can kind of like store the co2 but if they're down there for too long it gets saturated and then you can't you know it can't filter it out of the air so then yeah. going into that oxygen pocket clearly allows it to do the transfer so basically which is a those cool... are necessary yeah, yeah which i yeah. think is like actually a cool it's real technology like in like real real but it's just done in like the with the rules of their world with their like flora and fauna and everything else and yeah I don't know if that can. I don't know if there's a way for them to make more of that because it seemed like all that came from the canopy. Canopy. But it also yeah. makes sense that they had that technology because the air would be so much thinner up there anyway that yeah. you would sort of be in a you'd be in a low oxygen environment, and so of course they would have some kind of innovation to survive up there. So I mean, like, kind of has has um for a fish out of water character, he's got a lot of like street smarts relative yeah. to just how to survive. And those suits that that they wear are clearly like you know. Again, because they're in the canopy and it's cold as fuck. Like these are all things that were gonna help them when they go down. Down. But but uh. Uh, until we get to that point, it's I I also like the action that we've been promised because one of the big issues I have with a lot of very good series is just there's not good antagonists, right? Well developed antagonists that can drive you know the 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 drama. They you know basically people who believe different stuff from the main cast so that there's like something to bounce off of you know like yeah well we because you know even though we're sort of introduced to liliha and her people as like oh these are the these are the um innocent so these are like the good guys and then you've got like oh all the 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 bad people in the empire i think the girl's name is ame or amaro amarode or something like yeah, that yeah i don't know the, where i don't yeah but like, like I think they call her princess or some shit all the time. Right? Yeah, she she is she's definitely the prince, and I think she'll come around. She that character design is too cute to be a permanent. Well, guy, also but. they clearly don't agree with the the admiral's like approach to everything. Yeah, which is but, evident from their faces when he when he skewered homeboy. Right, and but nonetheless, like when um, Lilia's dad was just speaking the logic of like okay why are we going to oppose these people and the, the answer actually made a lot of sense which is like okay if we give in to what they want then we're just accelerating our own demise anyway yeah. right so so the conflict they're having isn't just like oh good versus evil it's it's all practical everything everyone is doing and thinking and saying are supported by the facts on the ground of the world that they're in yeah, so we're kind of in their situation fight for freedom or live as a slave yeah or like fight for survival or just straight up die because like yeah. the different sides aren't looking out for each other no. it's not like oh 
well, we only have this much water and we need to figure out how to make it sustainable and we can trade. No, no, no. It's just, it's just a, it's a cutthroat situation. But what I'm getting at is I think, um, Honda, which is the, the, the admiral, I think mm-hmm. like he is a brutal character, but it, he's a very utilitarian kind of guy. And I could absolutely see him not, you know, if, if there was a solution, let's say it was like, oh, we can figure out how to make unlimited water. Because I remember Lily had kind of said that, like that was what the sage could deliver or some way yeah. to, to just have water for everybody or whatever it is. I don't think a character like that would be interested in that solution. Oh, okay. you know what I mean? Like, I think that a lot of the culture that we've learned about so far kind of creates the conflict and i don't think he'd be like oh okay oh yeah i guess you guys have solved the water thing so we're all cool like we'll just go to trading like nah so i just like it i like that there's like very clear like antagonists the antagonists have a very clear motivation they have a very clear ideology and they have some layers where some people don't fully agree or to at least they're that they're all thinking everybody's reasoning about what the fuck is going on and what do they do in a certain situation so for example the you know honda guild thought that they could get something out of um uh lilia's people by capturing her but that calculation was incorrect right and so now that they know that it's incorrect whatever they're gonna do with her the the story has changed basically she ain't a hostage for ransom no more i think they put her up on the top of a ship so they're gonna probably try to ritually kill her before assaulting the the city are they gonna um, kill her like in front of atland or some shit i think like that's that? the idea i think that's the idea yeah so now it's because i was always thinking the whole way through like why are they even keeping her alive like the moment the moment they find out that the city's not going to negotiate she's dead so we got to get kaina and yauna to her before that happens and then the scene pops up where you know, with a messenger and then she's in there too. And I'm like, oh, okay. So something else is going on because she has to survive the scene mm-hmm. in order to get rescued. And Kaina and Yana are too far away to do it in this episode. So once that became clear, I'm like, okay, we're going a different direction, which is good. Um, so I'm a fan though. One thing I will say is, uh, I wouldn't have sent the messenger. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. And I, I would have sure, done did the messenger not know that he was going to die. I'm uh, sure. probably not. Yeah, because I'm just like, dude, if that's what he had told me to tell them, I would have been like, nigga. Yeah, bro, I'm not going. Like, like what? chill. They're like, they are our literal, like, antagonists. Like, they yeah. killed people nah, before. You want me to go tell them niggas to fuck off? Yeah, we good. I'm going to die. With that one. We good with that one. And we then they were like, back. tie his dead body to a seahorse and send it back. Like, nigga, I could have just never come. Yeah. The, what did we accomplish here? anger but she's alive so that's good um i don't know what did he just like knock her out when he did like that lift i guess i think it was like implied violence but they didn't didn't have to show it it was fine yeah i do think now that you said that about like the admiral now i do believe that um that the princess might be the one that actually would be okay with being like if we have a solution, why are we doing this? Yeah. And he might be like a bitch because I said so. Like, we're doing it. Like, doesn't matter what you think. So I, I can definitely see that being the other side of the coin. For sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I want to see just more. You know, this is one of those series where I actually I like the exposition. Because it 
lets me get to know the characters a lot better. Sometimes, you know, it depends on the show. You're like, you kind of want to go to like action moments or big dramatic story uh, beats. Whereas like, I, I like the casual sort of banter back and forth. I like the conversations where people are reasoning through problems or kind of explaining their way of thinking about something, mm-hmm. um, which is a testament to just pretty strong writing, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, as far as you talking about like it being comforting, I think part of it has to do with the sound of the snow sea. Yeah, being, yeah, you're like, right. You're right. You're right. It being like brown noise or like white noise, because I know depending, because I just learned about the difference of the noises, the like mm-hmm. all the kind of stuff like that. But like different pitches of the noises actually like calms people down just to have that like just like going in the background because they do use music in this show a lot but a lot of the times there's just that in the background and i i think that does a really good job of like setting just like the scene like making it feel more alive and stuff like that but also helping it be calm right yeah i think that that you know it was easy to forget after the prior episode that one of the cool things about this world and the setting is that you can very easily have like scenes that are very they're alien but they're also mm-hmm. like they're filled with wonder like when they were going down the tree all the shots that you would get of like what it looked like looking down you know the yeah. trunk and all the clouds and the weird insects and like all that other stuff those were like to create a sense of awe of yes. like what's going on i felt the same way when they finally went into the the sea and the kind of the camera pans out and you're like, Oh, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Yeah. And if it wasn't the, for the fact that they were kind of in a desperate situation, you would like, can we linger on this a little bit more? Can we, Ooh, I want to see what color reminds me of like Knights of Sidonia. Like that. Uh, yeah, stuff. very much. So yeah, it's the same for, for blame. Blame is like black, white, and red are like the three primary colors. Oh yeah. Uh, I need to finish Sidonia and then I need to go watch blame. Oh my God. Blame is crazy. Blame is um so then there's a Netflix uh adaptation which I think is it's fine. Like it looks pretty good. It's it's CGI but it's very um atmospheric. Uh it doesn't cover oh, blame? everything. Blame, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it came out like, a couple years ago, year ago, maybe maybe it's two years. Um but uh the only thing about that adaptation is that it kind of ends at a very specific point where cooler stuff happens later but oh, it's, it's a only fine an place hour and a half ew yes okay. yeah, yeah but i mean it's it's a good like if you don't know anything about blame it's a great intro and it's a great like part of the story that they tell but like there are the the most evocative stuff in that series i think comes a little bit later, but it's harder to explain without all the stuff they cover. Um, in the Yeah. And there's a, there's also like a prequel manga that I would love to see adapted because it's one where there's just a lot more human talking characters in it. Cause blame is very like, it's a tiny cast of people who are actually like characterized and speaking and interacting with each other. In fact, most of the series is very like lonely like, you know, sometimes the two main characters are not even together and they're like walking oh. through or traversing through just these cyclopean, almost sort of horrifying, empty expanses of like metal and 
snow and you know weird things like it's like i don't know it's like if you were on the you know like the matrix movies if you could imagine like a if the if instead of taking place in the city in the matrix 90 percent of the movie took place like running around like the fucked up cityscape that was on the surface oh it's very, it would be like very bleak and very um not featureless but just like i don't know horrifying Messy. That's kind of what, yeah. It's like that's what that's what blame is, and so there's not like a lot of talking, is what I'm getting at. Okay. So, but it's still cool. It's cool. Cool. Um, what else is there? How are you caught up on High Card? I am caught up on High Card. I like High Card. I like okay. what they're doing. I mean, that's my next. That's my next project after Blue Lock and all. Blah blah blah. But anyways, I saw. I saw that homegirl split personality finally made its debut. Yes, and it was. Uh, I did not know that they were going that way. Like, um, oh, did she I fight, thought like fuck niggas up big time. So her character is the is like a. On the one hand, her like regular personality is kind of like a stressed out office lady, dutiful, yeah. dutiful daughter. You know that like that's what it is so i was like okay maybe this she just has like a slightly different personality when she's fighting which is partially true because when she actually is in combat you know she's much more uh calm and focused but her high card ability is literally a uh it's the first time we've seen a uh card that installs a whole new personality where there's like a like a spirit or something that's in the card where they call love and peace and so it's a literal straight up yandere. Like Ooh. it's a whole other personality. It's not even her. It's like another being. Oh. And in addition to being like a bloodthirsty killer and much more, you know, can do crazier shit, she also gets bigger boobs. Okay. Just I mean, randomly. An- anime, but yeah, okay. Yeah. But oh. it but it's clearly like no one else in the show reacts to that. Oh, it just, I thought they it would just, react to that. No, not at all. I think they... Especially, like, calorie-high homeboy. No, it was the opposite. When they found... So, apparently, whenever she transforms, it's like, we're fucked because it's one of the most powerful abilities out there, and they don't have... It's hard for them to restrain her. Oh. So, it's like, when they found out that she had transformed in this episode, the calorie-high guy was in the car with Finn, uh-huh. and they get the radio message from the guy who uses plants that, like... He's like, bro, love P is out. And he's like, holy shit, we're fucked. We're (laughs) fucked. Call everybody. Like, so it's clearly not something that they're into. And I think the reason makes sense because in this episode, we find out that like all this thing wants to do is kill, 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 kill. And it's, it's like got like a sadistic uh, obsession with mutilating bodies. And so (gasps) guess what? The calorie high guy is like immortal as long as he's been Oh, so she loves him. She loves to fuck him up. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay, I need to get caught. God damn it. Yeah. There's too much. Oh yeah, my so god. So it was actually so there was that so like for we there was some really like pretty good like fight animation. There were some cool ideas, um, some good comedy that was a straightforward comedy. But then the high point of the episode for me was just all the stuff with, with love and peace and how everyone reacted to that that uh uh I don't know what it is, that entity mm-hmm. kind of coming coming out. And th- there was a villain of the episode 
Actually, there's some other crazy. We, we talk about some of the other crazy that happens at the end when we review it. But there's a villain in the episode that uh, you first think is going to be like the focus of the main story. But then Love and Peace pops out and you're like, uh, he, the all the main cast is like, that's your problem now. Like, good luck, oh. dude. You've had to get fucked up. And uh, yeah, yeah. So there's that part. Then there's um. So the the, the episode that follows that because that's I think episode four. Yeah, there's uh, a new one this week, right? Yeah. Correct. Or you watched the one for today? Yeah. Yeah. So so that so episode five is um about the crime family that has oh, been oh okay that that's sort of been operating we've actually met some of the different members so like the guy with the ball like the uh the mm-hmm. marbles is a member of that crime family yeah. he's still alive by the way oh so, okay yeah and then they did something with that but also like the uh detective um who's in charge of the investigation this episode revolves around the villain from episode four who was fighting love and peace gets arrested and because he loses his card, he is now terrified that he's going to be killed by the crime family. And that other oh. d- girl detective who's like super, you know, about duty. Oh, thinks yeah, I remember that, like, her from the second episode. Yeah, yeah, she thinks that she can break the case on all of these weird happenings by getting this guy to essentially confess and then get put in witness protection. Whereas like the older uh, detective is like, you about to learn if you think that you can, you know, you know, being being the world's most intrepid detective is gonna like get you anywhere in this world. And we very quickly find out that like he knows the head of the other crime family as well as the head of Pinnacle. Oh. So he's con- so he he's connected and um it ends with the brutal execution of the of the villain from the first from the previous episode because he uh, he agrees to like he rat on he, yeah, he agrees to rat on the crime family only to find out that the entire police department is basically owned by them. And the main villain fucking kills him in the slowest, most brutal way possible, reminding you that this fucking show is fuck is serious. Basically uses some ability to completely twist his head 720 degrees that you, you see it. Like Oh, they show it? Yes. <sighs> yes. And then okay. Finn winds up fighting a gravity user who's there to to assassinate the girl detective, and he gets owned. Like he just loses. Wow. Like, say, yeah. There's no like, oh, secret power up. No. Or blah 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 blah. Nope. Just loses. Lost. Yep. Oh wow. Okay. It is the sleeper. Shit. Yep. It's good. It's good. Okay. Well. Okay, well, I, I I will be ready for that next week. Oh, my God. Okay. Damn, there's so much. And we're, we're halfway through. Yeah. We're halfway through. It's not that much to catch up on. It's okay. a easy. It's also an easy watch. All the episodes. I don't know how far back. You may be able to be like two episodes back. Yeah, but, I don't know um, But uh, I like all the character designs. There's a character in episode six um, that I think is just like reminds me of a JoJo. Like straight out of JoJo. No question about it. Um so anyway, it's a lot of fun. So I would just recommend at your leisure following up on that beat. Um, okay. Okay. Vinland Saga, real quick. Oh. Again, there was a episode. Are people f- complaining? There, I think folks are starting to get it now, but that's because the some bigger names have come out and said, like, this is what real art is. And they're like, okay, I want to also know what real art is. So I will <sighs> also, yeah. 
But um, episode five, okay. Episode five is actually one of my favorite parts of the drama of all of Vinland Saga because Einar, who is the slave who's with Thorfinn, his backstory that we learn in the first episode is that um, his family was murdered, uh, and he when when he was taken into slavery, so he has like he had given up on life because he just didn't think that there was any hope once you became a slave to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And we had watched over three or four episodes of him being paired with Thorfinn and having like a master who was interested in freeing slaves if they did the enough work that he was sort of like getting his confidence back, his humanity back after like, you know, having his, his niece and his sister murdered in front of him for for being weak. And then they put him through the ringer because they, uh, the the young master on the plantation that they work on, wants to basically use the slaves to get to to get a kill so he can become a man, which is where all the stuff with like Thorfinn just taking the oh yeah that the punishment came from shit yeah. But from that, Einar finds out that Thorfinn used to be a a Viking warrior, and those are the people who killed his whole family. Ooh. And so episode five is dealing with Thorfinn's depression about how he doesn't know if he actually wants to live or not. And Einar, who didn't, who was becoming friends with him, but then realized that like this is the embodiment of the person that he hates. It all culminates at the end of the episode or the last half where Thorfinn is having a nightmare where he's back to being his young self and he's murdering people in a village. And as he's having the nightmare... Einar, who's hearing him screaming, wakes up and has like a, a crazy moment where he basically gets on top of him and just starts choking him. And it's like he's going to kill him. And then Thorfinn wakes up and Einar decides like he can't go through with it because he's thinking about like, you know, the trauma that Thorfinn went through and the trauma that he went through. And it, basically they manage in the course of about five to ten minutes to have that character work through a lot of like a lot of very believable emotional pain and then you start to realize that they can be friends which is this great sort of evolution for both of them mm-hmm. um and so that's like a normally in a series like this you'd be talking about that sounds like episodes, a lot more character work than a lot of anime do in a whole season that's what i'm saying is like this would be the point where there'd be some climactic battle or something but instead there's no fighting it, it's just because like even in the previous episode, like Thorfinn didn't fight. He just got Oh my god. Like, this is why niggas don't don't like or not that they don't like it. This is why they're fed up with it. Because they have to see people actually put up with their feelings. Yeah, exactly. And work through them. Yeah. Uh... Like in episode four, Thorfinn was very clear that he wanted to die. And because he like but but he never vocalized that. So you had to learn it through him getting physically destroyed and just saying nothing. Nothing. And pissing everybody off because you know, all the other um, warriors who are on the plantation, they fight. were just, yeah, and they were also like, it was a whole thing, like, you're not, a, why isn't he afraid of all these horrible things that are being done to him? Like, he's not flinching. Every time this guy comes in and, like, cuts a strip off of him, like, he doesn't give a fuck. Um, and then there was the breakthrough moment was him running into Snake, who's, like, the head of the mercenaries there, who kind of realizes that this is fucked up, but that he, he sees the look in Thorfinn's eyes, and he's like, I know that look you know, I know what that is. Yeah. And he he tries to do a killing blow for real, and Thorfinn actually dodges. 
And he doesn't even realize why he did it. And he's like, oh, shit. And the guy's like, you don't really want to die. Like, if you wanted to die, your body wouldn't have moved like that. So, like, that was a breakthrough moment because you just get this long shot of, like, Thorfinn's eyes finally opening. Because he's been, like, sort of, like, sullen and looking, like, just fucked up. And that's, like, the first time he, I think he woke up where he's like, wait a minute. It's, like, my depression is still there, but it's, like, it's true. I really want to. I don't really, I'm... I, wow so, for, so you have so like cool. that moment before and so then in the next episode they kind of do something similar for einar who at this point in your head he's tormented by the death of his family and also the fact that like he would boast when he was they were still alive that he'd protect them he'd do all this other stuff but then when it push came to shove the only one who was willing to fight was his niece and <gasps> and she well she got instead got. of getting yeah she just she got like cut to pieces and killed not raped, because she was a fighter. They just fucking killed her. Like, right in front of him. And he couldn't do anything but run and get and, and get captured. So, like, for him, it was the same kind of moment of, like, this guy, Thorfinn, is the same type of person who killed my whole family. And, I, and maybe he thought that, like, getting revenge was, like, this big, important thing. You know, like, whatever. But when he finally was in a position to do it... It wasn't that he was a coward. It wasn't that he couldn't kill him. It was that like he knew something about this was was wrong because even Thorfinn didn't really want to. He didn't really fight back. It wasn't like yeah, you know, like whatever. And he's like, wow, this whatever this person is going through or has gone through is just as fucked up as the shit that I went through. Even though we were on the opposite side, he was a predator, but I was the prey. Now it's like, you know, there's there's a there's a kind of growth that's hard to put into words that is happening but there's no like fight scene where thorfinn does a backflip and throws a knife into somebody's throat yeah which is what people think this series is supposed to be about and it's not um at all Mm. it's just it's just very good it's drama drama yeah good stuff Um, sounds fucking good to me it's very good okay Um, uh we could talk about eminence and shadow um, so I am one episode behind right before the finale. Oh. I, I did it. Well, of course I got spoiled because niggas was going crazy. So he embarrassed the shit out of homegirl, didn't he? Oh, my God. Okay. Now I want to watch this... it. Okay, okay, okay. Never mind. Well, right, we'll, we'll save we'll... it for the finale for next week. We'll okay. have all the episodes ready. We'll save it. I shit, I knew I should have watched that shit this week. I, I just can't get over reading the words perv asshat. <laughs> like, I just, I just can't get over it. Perv right. ass had Anna Rose. I'm sorry, you cannot tell me Anna Rose is not anal rose. Like, I'm just, that's my immediate thought. Once you said there was something off about her name, and I was like, Anna, oh, there it is. Got you. Got, got you immediately. These people are all fucking silly. All he does time. not care. Demonic, no. He does not give a fuck. No, He's he doesn't at so all. so much fun. I love it. I love it. Um... But yeah, I will. I'll have to catch up on that next week, y'all. Um, and I will be catching up on Blue Lock too because shit's popping off from what I'm hearing. Um, as far as Tokyo Revengers goes, I didn't watch this past week's episode, um, which I think was the episode of the day of Christmas because mm-hmm. the episode for last, like that nigga broke up with homegirl because of the daddy and all that kind of shit like that. And I'm kind of just like, what does this mean? Where are we going to go? Why are you teaming up with Kisaki, you dumb bitch? Like, mm, don't. Mm. 
I'm positive he's going to be get betrayed. Like, I'm absolutely positive Kisaki's going to fucking be like, yeah, so I'm using you for another plan. And also, fuck you. Like, I'm positive that's what's going to happen. But I have not seen what what actually happens. So, I will continue to watch that. Even though it feels like a lot of people aren't really keeping up with that this season. Um, I don't know why. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's any less watched. But I think that... um. The surprise factor is maybe not quite there, you know. That, that, mm. may, that may be what it is. But uh, Takamichi, of course, has some great moments in this season. I think actually, like in season one, you kind of eventually come to realize that like of uh, the main villain for the season is Kisaki. Yeah. But then because he kind of gets folded into a part of the cast for season two kind of what you said like you know everyone's kind of like well when is he gonna turn on him when's he gonna turn when's the turn happening when's the turn gonna go on but meanwhile there are a whole bunch some, of other things uh, well there is on. a good villain for this season so i would just advise people to like well that nigga patient. is evil like based yes. off of the little background that they gave us i'm like this nigga is like great i mean a lot of them no are. he's insane no yeah straightforwardly like, insane yeah, yeah like you, I, you, why did you make me beat you? Like, why, like, what? Yes. What? Like, what? <laughs> what no, mean? certifiable psychopath. And, like, they, and in this me, season, they deal more, yeah, they deal more with, like, the, uh, I would say, like, adult characters or older characters. Because, yeah. like, I, don't, I, I said this before, when, uh, if you ever look at the Tokyo Revengers, like, um, announcements for the live action, and you look at, like, the actors are getting to play these characters. Like, these characters are, like, 15 years old, bro. And they've got, like, 38-year-old men playing yeah. some of them. Like, come on. Like, this supposed to be kids. Whereas, like, in this in this season, they are mostly faced off with much older people. Yeah. So, the stakes are, are higher. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um... What else am or what else have I watched? I watched Nagatoro-san. They're doing a really good job with character development for um, the main guy character now. Because um, we actually learned his name. His name is not Senpai. It's, his name is Now, which they actually said his name for the first time in two seasons. Wow. Um, but that was a whole previous little like thing with them learning her name. Cause <clears throat> neither of them knew each other's names. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is it was it was interesting because it's like oh my god you're right like you niggas have spent so much time together and you don't even know each other's names. Um, that's good. Tomochan is actually so good, and it's like it's so good in a way where like it 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 has nowhere near the production level of like Horamiya or uh-huh. My Dress Up Darling, but it is just so ref- not refreshing. It's just such a nice just like. Oh, this is a good ride. Like, it's a good ride. I'm always going to laugh. And then I'm always going to be like, okay, so they're, they're like slowly. I mean, it's what you said. Like, you know, it would spy family. If they got together, then the, the show would be over. Like, right. your and Lloyd got together, the show would be over. And I think that is what I'm going into Tomo-chan, looking with like Tomo and June. And what they're doing a pretty decent job of showing is it's not just that... Because Tomo is, like, the most upfront, abrasive character with her feelings that oh, is in the show. 
She literally confessed in the first like five seconds of the op- of the series. Mm-hmm. So we have no confusion on where Tomo is. Everyone's confused on what the fuck's going on with June. And what they've been doing is they've been slowly giving us more and more of like where June is mentally because a lot of the times the show really doesn't follow June's like mind space or what's going on and things like that. So um, also the supporting cast or not the entire supporting cast, but um, Carol and Misuzu, like the two girls that are like, you know, the, the, the ones that like recognize the Tomo June shit and are actively trying to get them together. But they're also like completely opposite in personality. Like Carol is like, she's like crazy, but not like, sinister crazy she's just like an extremely rich kid who's a genius so she's like really awkward um and has never had friends in her life and like so all the characters have like really 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 good just just like like foundations and then you put the parents on top of it and it's like oh my god like the parents are just like like super concentrated versions of you niggas. Like, it's even better, but they're not on the screen for the majority of the time. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's where you get that from. That's where you get that from. Got you. Got this. Boom, boom. Bam, bam. Like, even, like, little stuff where Tomo wasn't invited over to Misuzu's house for, like, 10 years because she was just like, you break shit every time you come over. So I just stopped inviting you over. And then she gets invited into the house and the first thing that happens is the mom comes in. She's like, what the fuck is she doing here? Like, what is this? But it's all done in a comedic way. It also just makes things so just, I don't know, it's, it's wholesome, it's funny, and it the energy has not dropped, like, at all. So, yeah. As far as rom-coms go, this is gonna be another one I'm just gonna, like, recommend. I think it has, like, over 500 chapters or some shit like that. Like, it's almost at, like, 600 chapters. So there's Wait, plenty what? of material. Yeah. Is it like a, a what do you call it? A four coma thing or is it like full length chapters? What's a, I don't, wait, what's a the four, four coma? The four is like the four panel um format. Oh. Where the, a lot of like a lot of like comedies and things that, that will have like a lot of chapters, but they're really short. You know what I mean? Oh, maybe that's what that is. I think because this is only what, like eight volumes? That's not enough for that much. Yeah, I don't yeah. Wait, okay, no. I'm seeing something completely different. So I'm seeing 56 chapters. Okay. That makes sense. But that on does one, make a, sense. one on the on another thing, I saw like volume something, something, da, 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 and I was like, how long has this shit been going? Like, what the hell is this? But regardless, really enjoying it. Great rom-com. It's super easy to follow. And yeah, just grand time um is there anything else okay handyman saito still fucking great just just non-stop just really subverting all of my expectations and campfire cooking like same thing i think they're really gonna like add in the elements of like yeah he is a hero and there are mmo rpg aspects of it but at the end of the day it's still focusing on the cooking and like, you know, how the cooking relates to everything and how this kind of meat relates to our world and what is the flavor profile and what kind of sauce is he going to use and all that kind of shit like that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's everything that I've watched. Yeah, I think for week. me, I caught up on uh, Mononogatari. Really oh, like yeah. it. Really, okay. really, really do. I mean, um, it's one of those series where the 
gimmick is what is advertised, which is, oh, they're these sort of spirits. They're all, mm-hmm. they all have powers and looks that are is based it doing on... Is like Spirit of the Week? Sort of. There is a, there's a, um, an underlying story that has connected every episode so far. So it hasn't felt, with, with maybe like one exception, it hasn't really felt like um, we're sort of just going from case to case, which is what I thought it might be. And it, and the reason why I thought that way was because in the first like four episodes, the main story is about um, uh, the main character basically getting accepted into the household. And so that meant that they kind of they laid out in like episode two that he's got to get these signatures from each of the members of the household to basically say like, yeah, we fuck with this guy like he's cool. Um, he's not a threat and he can stay in the household. Yeah. So because that was the actual underlying story, going sort of to each person and sort of having a little bit of slice of life with them, followed by like a spirit case that would then settle whatever differences that they might have, um, made it feel like it was more of an episodic show um, rather than a one long serialized story. Okay. In episode four, he more or less like wraps up the um connections that he's built with the other spirits in the house in fact they even note inside the episode um, that they feel like Hyoma, who's the main character is made progress a lot faster than they expected that he was going to because the um botan basically tells him that he has to do it in a week or in a few days but the spirits had actually planned on doing the same thing but over the course of six months so the oh. fact that he made so much progress, kind of, they were like, oh, shit, this is kind of, we've gotten ahead of schedule with him, and now he's kind of, you know, everyone's kind of cool with him to some degree. Fuck, what do we do? Well, we find out in episode four what the reason for them making him jump through hoops, and the reason is that all of the spirits that are in that house are part of a set of items. And now I'm not Japanese, so it didn't immediately stick out to me. But apparently, each one represents a piece of a very traditional wedding set of items that you would give to a new bride. And so the reason why they're so protective of her is because they want her to get married. And so they drop the act and basically ambush her and Hyoma and say like, because we've he's the first person that we have accepted this is perfect y'all two gonna get married and obviously the two of them are like wait what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) like yeah and it's and it's a good scene because botan doesn't see it coming and so she's just like completely lost she's like i like about to lose her mind and then hyoma his character is like very uh reserved in public so he doesn't react at all like his face is just like, eh, like, oh, okay, this is weird. But then the like, I was in my head. I'm like, oh, they're gonna play. The, this is gonna be the joke because as soon as he gets out of that scene, and he's like by himself at the door. He like the facade drops. He's like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, what the fuck? So like, again, those two, the relationship between Hyoma and and Botan is mm-hmm. the actual core of the show. Okay. It's the which it's I mean, a, I kind of garnered that from the opening. With like right. the cherry blossoms and them looking at each other, and then the, the okay. I mean, there's a lot of, there were a lot of um, what's gonna call it, 
like allegories to it or just like hints. There were a lot of like hints yes. to it all over the place. So yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, so it's really a fantasy action romance series. Well, I gotta get caught the fuck. God damn it. Yeah, okay. that's what it is. And so then the 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 sort of structure of each episode makes a lot more sense. So like the first half of most episodes is a kind of slice of life drama that mm-hmm. involves Botan, Yoma, and then all of the like or different sets of characters from the spirits who live in the house. And then the last half of the episode is usually some kind of like action series or action, you know, uh, action plot uh, that then drives forward to an emotional sort of come together moment for some number of those characters. And that's the actual structure. And so therefore the long-term story that's holding the whole show together is the A story is the romance story. And the B story is all of the, the action shown in. Yeah. Like the, po- and the politics around the fact that like, you know, that the these spirits, spirits them. exactly. And that, okay. you know, um, Botan in particular is someone who for, and for reasons we don't know yet in the plot, she is uh, somebody that all the spirits already know about, and oh, apparently all the her, spirits. yeah, and and her uh, power attracts other spirits to her, but they also are warned in their own communities to not go anywhere near her. So there's this interesting, like you know, in episode five, she is this is the first time Botan has actually attacked herself while she is by herself. And you're like, okay, something is changing that these spirits don't feel fear mm-hmm. of going after her. And, you know, there's some action scenes and everything else. Uh, and so th- that B-plot of, like, what's going on behind the scenes, where are these organizations of spirits that are popping up coming from, why are they targeting Botan now, you know, when when uh, they've been leaving her alone before, you know, who are the leaders of this thing, like, what is going on? And, of course, Hyoma trying to track down the spirit that killed his family yeah that's like the c that's like the c plot all those are still going on but i would have thought based on the way the show was promoted that the order of those plots in terms of importance and time would have been reversed where it's mostly about him tracking down this other spirit then it's about getting to you know figure out like oh what's going on boton and then maybe like underneath that there's like a, a cautious kind of like romance angle. And because it's the other way around, I think it's better because you spend a lot more time Ooh. getting to know all of the characters. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to win on production value. It's no. not going to win on, you know, being specifically unique, things you've never seen before. It actually has to win on you being interested in the development of all the characters and their, their, their individual and group arc. And so it's a good thing that it's sort of organized in that way. And I enjoy watching it. Um, and there's still plenty of like creativity and the abilities and other things like that. But, you know, that's what it is. So I, I like it. Yeah. Damn. <sighs> there's so much stuff. Ugh. Yeah. The only other thing I, I need to get around to catching up on is this episode six of, of Revengers because mm. uh, unlike some of the other like B tier shows that are out this season, Revengers looks really good in motion and it looks really good kind of 
it, you know, well, still, I think I saw some images. clip that the doctor took his shirt off again. So well, I mean, listen, uh, you, gotta, you'd be good. Gotta make be some, good. Gotta make some stuff happen. Gotta. But there are some really up. like great kills to look forward to almost every episode. Okay. So that's the thing that like you know they are putting they put energy into it. Like the story's cool. And the mystery and everything else that, that's going on is also interesting. And all the every every week you see a new character design that's like more and more wa- I don't say, wacky makes it sound dumb, but like more like uh, stylized, y- yeah, stylized, unique, and cool. Um, and and the factions that they're building into the world and all that stuff are cool. But at the end of the day, you can pretty much count on somebody getting owned badly. In a in a great well animated fight or a well animated scene, so you always kind of have that to come back to. And I know that um, I don't know if it was the last episode or whatever, but like there's a lot of scenes where if you break them down, it's really pretty simple. It's like people in a room talking to each other, but they keep things moving and they keep like the 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 plot going. Like there was like a circus in episode five, and like you know, but it was like Chinese inspired circus. So it's like, oh, okay, that's not what I would have guessed would even be in the show. And the fact that they chose that aesthetic meant that they could play around with, like, tropes from, like, circus-type characters and then also, like, Chinese characters. Yeah. Um, which are which are underutilized, I think, in a lot of the shit. So hmm. I'm with it. Well, what else? Is there anything else you watched, read? I have a recommendation that I read, but I read too much shit so i'm just gonna keep it in a recommendation oh there was something that i had uh kind of come back to oh so this is not a um it's not like an endorsement or anything like that but i'm finally starting to see um webtoon style um like manhwa style uh series that are produced by japanese authors Oh. Which is very uh, okay. I've been waiting to see this. Um, there's a series called um, Undead King, and it's new, so it's very it, it, it's just dropped recently, but it's being produced. Um, a low ranking by- adventure. With yeah. The power of monsters. Yeah. Comes unbeatable. Okay. Yeah. It's not. I'm not saying it's like you know. It's in, it's interesting. It's not like you know the most gorgeous or crazy series. So I'm not like recommending it at all. But the author and the production company are. Well, I think that. Sorry, the author is Japanese, and I think the um, studio that's producing it is. Some of it is in uh, Korea, and some of it's in Vietnam. Some of the people who are involved which and it's in full color and it's in webtoon format and i've always you know was wondering how long it would kind of take because you know shonen jump and what's the what's the other one that katakawa owns those two magazines are still like the primary launching pad for um japanese manga artists to get known and to make a lot of money um so it's still like because they're still produced in print and because they're still produced in black and white, the format of the content that goes in, um, rather the, that format is still one that is, uh, sort of the standard in Japanese markets, but yeah. webtoons have been killing it. 
And even with um, Jump's digital offerings, like there's, I think there's a recognition that more people want to engage with content on screens. And so the Webtoon format is kind of the preeminent version of that. And also, just from like a production point of view, I didn't appreciate this, but one of the reasons why it feels like Webtoons get pumped out um, out of a lot of these like Korean um, and uh, Filipino, Vietnamese, and even Chinese studios is because the whole process for producing a webtoon is so much more decentralized than it is for a typical manga. Like uh, a manga in Shonen Jump might have uh, outside of like the, the author, if the author's not doing all the art, it's maybe like seven people, seven to eight people, including like, you know, understudies, editors, so on. Yeah. It's not a very big group, but then you take someplace like um, red ice, uh, studio or ant studio which uh, they produce a lot of the uh, manhwa um, webtoons in like korean um the korean market one you'll have like an author the author is very rarely the same person doing the Animation, any of the art, uh, the art and, yeah. the, and they may have a staff of up to 30 people working on it not it won't be their only thing that they're working on but like you know your ink inker your colorist you might have like four or five colorists you know, like it's it's not unusual to have a much bigger distribution of labor and you have like an entire studio might be working on six different series at the same time, but you just don't have that like singular creative burnout that easily happens. And then like, let's say your outliner spread out so much. Exactly. And it's also easier to replace people who kind of get burned out because there's so much redundancy like and you can kind of, it, literally it's why a lot of them all look the same it's why they make so much aggressive use of cg assets and like paint over and draw over stuff but anyway that's a long way of saying like i'm keeping my eyebrow raised about what the progression of or the lean into webtoon format for japanese natively japanese produced or written series will be in the future um so I thought it was okay. interesting to run into that. That is, ooh, that is interesting. Yeah, and Undead Rob King. Anything about that? Yeah, and Undead King has three primary artists on it. So you have like the author, and then there's three other people who do the artwork, the primary artwork. I mean, that in of itself is a more sustainable model than a lot of what Magica have to deal with, where usually you are writing it. You are drawing it. Oh my! You are you proofing it. Oda not having yeah. to draw. I mean, oh, at this, man. I mean, like or Oda not- is interesting because even he he has a uh, three three understudies currently. I think, mm-hmm. um, but he but his thing is you know he delegates a lot uh, that he's written about that in like interviews where it took him many years, but now he like kind of is much much more willing to let go of stuff, and it's and it's a good thing because not only is it better for his life but if you ever notice like a lot of the big manga who've like come out in the last four to five years have come out of his studio tree because he lets them have more autonomy and a lot of them are also simultaneously pitching stuff to shonen jump um to get on is it the is it the guy mashal the the guy behind mashal is a former oda student Hmm. and there's like a couple others um so that 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 group i think they understand where their bread is buttered, and so that yeah. guy's not is not killing himself. But uh, I just think that it's good to see Manwa, the format, oh, becoming wow. more explored you know what outside. This could mean for Hunter, Hunter, if he could just tell people, oh my god, 
We can actually get somewhere. Okay, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm getting my hopes up. I'm getting my hopes up. So yeah, we don't, don't, don't many, do that to you. We don't know how. We don't know how long or if this will catch on. So yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. There's but I don't. I, I just don't have an opinion about uh, whether or not this particular project is like where anybody wants to hang their hat on it. But um, yeah. I don't, other than that, I don't really have any new recommendations. Um, okay. Um. Then my recommendation for the week is a BL surprise, but Yo. this one doesn't have any sex in it. So it's actually super accessible. It's very similar to the time that I recommended Um, I Think Our Son is Gay, um, uh, which mm-hmm. one is like super small format, like really short vignettes. Um, but this one's like a one and done. It's over. Um, and it's called uh, um, Me, Daddy, and Daddy. And it's about two gay men who met in college. They started dating. They got married or Japan legalized gay marriage. They got married and then they adopted a little... Um, um, and um an orphaned boy who was like an, an infant so um at first glance i'm like okay so you know like what are we going to be doing here like what are we talking about where are we going to be going and i just want to say that the the manga does a fucking amazing job at the comedy beats and that both of the fathers have extremely defined personalities and uh, it is at first glance, you're like, oh, this is so wholesome, but it's actually super duper duper fucking serious simultaneously because uh, there's like whole fights. There's like trauma dumping. Um, uh, there's like shit that the little kid goes through in kindergarten because both of the dads are gay. Like it actually touches on like actual like real life shit. And it's not just the gay stuff. It's also just like a, I feel like I'm not a good person. And so hence I'm not a good parent. And it's like your partner being like, why would I be with you if you're not a good person? And why would I trust to have a child with you if you're not a good person? But then that comes, that insecurity comes from somewhere else in their life. So it was a phenomenal read. Like really, really, really fucking good. Actually, I wish there were more volumes of it because what they gave us of all the characters, I'm talking about like the main the main couple, the son, the like supporting kids at school, they were like, shut the fuck up. Like, it doesn't matter. To they even have a um a mother character who was going above and beyond with like her acceptance. And it got to the point where they were like, You gotta chill on this shit. Because like it's almost mm. as though you are making it seem as though like you, by you calling us out so much and by you saying you're doing such a great job or you no one else can do this you're making us seem like not like it's not normal like it's mm. not just like you know us just raising a kid and she had to like basically be like oh shit like i guess i am like goddamn and then That's cool. even they even had something with like a little like one off with her kid who was definitely like a tomboyish mm-hmm. girl and the grandmother who had already like insulted the gay couple, of course, because she's an old ass fucking hag, oh, insulted boy. the gay couple. Yeah, and so there's a lot going on in this, and they get so much done in like I think it was like six chapters, like seven chapters. They get so much done. It's so good, but all throughout it, there's comedy, and uh, they know exactly when to use the comedy. It's not just like this is super serious. Oh, we're gonna drop a little comedy. It's like no, this is like a, a serious thing. And you, we are going to show you how people or how 
this couple and this community works through it. So mm. it it's real. I recommend it like, and I'm not recommending it just for the BL. I'm recommending it as being like, it's a really good manga. Like if you are looking for something that is about like exploring like the hardships of just childhood, like child rearing and uh, especially in Japan for one, um, and uh, just like, you know, interpersonal relationships with people um, that you don't want to have relationships with, but you have them because of the other people in your life. It's really good. I Like, really, really good. I, I wanted to, like, reread it right after I finished it. But I was like, nah, save that shit. Save that shit for when you're just like, oh, I need, I need something to be like, reread that shit. Reread that shit. Because it's so mm. good. It's so good. So, yeah. Um, me, daddy, and daddy. Um, well, actually, yeah, that- no. Don't search me, Daddy and Daddy, because there are a whole bunch of, um, like American like children's books about that. Um, so the Japanese name is Boku no Papa to Papa no Hanashi. Um, I cannot give you guys the link to this because the the website that it is on is yeah. Um, but you can find it out there. You'll find it. You'll find it. If you just type that in there, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those websites where it's like, it's a, it's a free for all. So, you know, um, don't go, don't go on it in front of your parents. Don't, don't do that. Or significant other. Don't rec. I don't recommend that. But, um, yeah, really, 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 really good. Like so, so good. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if I try to recommend that again before the year is over with, but highly, highly, highly recommend that. Like, exuberant praise. Um, uh, oh, news. I guess we skipped over news. Is there anything um, coming I mean, out? not, not, uh, nothing that's like really huge. I was going to say that I, I did talk a friend of mine who doesn't read Manwa at all mm-hmm. to pick up player. And they've been <gasps> enjoying it. Oh! So I feel like I converted one. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm assuming is player doing well, like popularity wise. Like we're not, we don't have to worry about it disappearing, do we? I I don't think it's doing poorly. But the problem that I have is, so in in the Japanese market. You can, at least for Shonen Jump, you could do a lot of prognostication based on two figures that are publicly available. One is volume sales on a monthly and weekly basis. Those get published. And the mm-hmm. second is the um, the Jump popularity polls, which okay. are, they're not a perfect indicator of interest, but usually you can kind of tell that if you're outside the top 10, you might be on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like a series goes, <laughs> so that is a th- those are some like well understood metrics that uh, usually help guide you know guessing about the future. How well is the series doing? Is are they going to get more investment? Are you know are they on the verge of being canceled? Blah blah blah. Um, so that's for like Japanese shit. Yeah, for webtoons and manhwa, it is so much more dis sort of disassociated from metrics so like one thing you can look at is the number of subscribed readers on platforms like 
webtoons or some of the other ones is something something they call like mocha something or whatever some of the big korean and international platforms mm-hmm. you can you can look at two metrics one metric is the number of what what they call weekly subscribers so people who are not just not just like views of a chapter but actually people who are um in the the paying tier uh, where you will, you don't have to like have the the three week delay or whatever yeah. it is. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so that's often that is a reasonable metric. And then the other is the are the actual number of unique uh, views that a series has had in total. So obviously those the the sub number and the view number are related to each other, but they are not necessarily precisely related because, for example, a, a series might start. And it has a lot of popularity, so it gets a lot of mm-hmm. subs. But then readership itself actually drops off. But oh. it's it could be hidden if the number is very, very big um, relative to like the number of chapters that are out. Um, I can uh, give like a ballpark. So for an American series, like some so this non-Korean, so like... Uh, uh, shit i'm trying to think of like a good example of one but a new a new series dropping that's not made by a korean author if they get anywhere between 60 to 100,000 subs in the first like month mm-hmm. of publication that's usually a sign that it's a the the series has a strong following and so webtoons will continue to pay for its production it's just webtoons i'm talking about okay um if it's a a korean series you probably want to like multiply that by a like two or three, and that'll kind of tell you if it's doing well. Um, so th- th- that's one metric, and then the the last one is so there are these studios, these big studios that have kind of like permanent contracts with different platforms like Webtoons. So it's not an individual author selling their project to Webtoons. The studio itself has like a deal. Where they'll be like, okay, produce this number of series for us in a year, and so sometimes you can figure out if like uh, if some if like a uh, Ant Studio or Red Eyes has like a uh, a new series starting, you can probably guess that it'll get at least thirty to forty chapters, especially if it's based on a light novel, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of these are, is that they're just light novel adaptations. Um, and if the light novel sales are good, even if the webtoon subs are not necessarily high that's also a pretty good chance that it will continue because the company might be making most of its money by driving people to buy the light novel so the webtoon series is just kind of a advertising for the light novel okay. so those are but we see they're all kind of floaty disconnected and you don't get them from any one place whereas like with manga you can pretty much tell if volume sales are down and the pop the the show is not high in the popularity poll it's not long for this world Okay. So that's what I know. Yeah. So I hopefully, I mean, well, it's been around for a minute. So, I mean, we're in the what? 130s-esque. So it'll be fine. But yay, more people supporting it. Because... <sighs> Did I get caught up? I didn't get all the way caught up yet. No. I didn't even get to Rand's new ability reveal. So, we shall see. Uh... Oh, I do have, oh, I guess news-wise-ish. Oh, Gridman is doing that, like, compilation movie thing. Which, hopefully, they announce something brand new. 
with it after the movie comes out. Um, and this is anime adjacent. Um, the fallout in the Genshin Impact community because of uh, um, Elliot Gindy or Gindy or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. his name is. Um, but yeah, that whole situation. So I I know people who know him. Oh, and, uh, it's it's been real bad. Ooh, well, I just want it to just like the thing. I mean, I I read that whole thread. I read the the Google Doc. I read all that shit, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of like worrisome how like obsessed people get with like this stuff because of a relation to like their favorite character. I don't personally me myself i've never experienced something like that where like i like a character so much that like i will become like obsessed with their voice actor and be like i want to have like contact and interaction with you because of what you've done i can right i'm more so of just like i respect that person and they are talented but um i'm not to say this as though like you know oh like you 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 made yourself a victim or something like that i'm just like very interested in just like why why there is no like stop feature for you to basically be like hey i had my interaction like i'm cool and i'm out of here and not like idolizing these people these like these regular people who you don't know right i don't know where that comes in and that's the but that's a whole conversation with like stands in general um but as far as this situation goes it's a hot fucking mess it's yeah, shitty boo boo. Like wow. Yeah, wow. it's it's a weird but not uncommon situation. Um, I'm always of the opinion that when you have a lot of unwatched spaces, it just creates the opportunity for moral harm. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, and you know, social media is like one giant unwatched space. And then you've got like these minor celebrities who then could develop weird parasocial relationships. Well, well, power trips, yes, but also like parasocial relationships that fans of their work create with these people. As long as they're one sided, like I let's imagine I'm a writer and I have millions of people who love my writing, but I never really interact with them directly. Yeah. It's still a weird relationship to have, but at the but I'm not in a position where I can exploit that or I might be tempted to exploit that. But when you start to connect with people who already hold you in very high esteem because of like the things that you do and it's unwatched, all it does is kind of create the opportunity for people to like take the next step, take the next step, take the next step when they know that they shouldn't be doing that. And I'm not necessarily giving cover to any anybody doing anything that's wrong, but like it is it's a function of the environment. It's not just that these people are bad people. It's the oppor- it, there's opportunity getting created and frankly I think fans have an unhealthy sort of perspective when it comes to creators yeah. in general. Like they assume that for example they are better morally and ethically then they have any reason to assume just because they like the shit that they made which is a mistake in and of itself but then also they have the people who are just predators so then that's another problem so yeah but yeah that was that was messy wow yes um 
what else is there? Oh, and I mean, I mean, is this anime related? I don't give a fuck. They're redoing, they're remastering Bat and Kaidos, and I never got to play them. So I'm extremely fucking excited because it's Monolith Soft. Soft. So, yeah. I've always heard that the story for Bat and Kaidos is, is awesome. Yeah. That's what I've always yeah. heard. It's super gameplay, well Yeah, I heard gameplay not so much, but I, I've, I've always heard that the story was like... I mean, and now that I know... The moment that I found out, because I remember it being good, but I never had a GameCube, so I was just going to be like, ah, I guess I can't play it. But then in the far-flung future, with like, the Xenoblade and all kinds of shit like that, I'm like, wait, that's Monolith Soft? Oh, wow. Okay, well, now I got to play it, but I'm not going to go buy a fucking GameCube and, like, track this shit down and pay what like 90 to 100 for uh an original cd or some shit like that like who knows and now they're remastering both of them and they're coming out on the switch so <coughs> even better i i do have like a minor um it's not a rant it's just like a complaint um because mm-hmm. i engage a lot of people online and it's sort of like uh when you talk to people online about stuff like let's say issues that are happening in a community so the uh, to me my understanding is if I say X is happening, people are doing Y, that the the people is not the person I'm talking to. It's not a veiled, like, kind of yeah. uh, dig at anybody. It's a generalization of what other folks are doing. But in the last week around, like, anime topics, entertainment topics, other things, I've been in conversations where I will explicitly say, I'm talking about other people. I will make a generalization, and the person will be like, well, you don't know that, that, that about my life. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about oh, other well, people. Yeah, well, people are... Not you. Securities run wild, so... Yeah, Ain't nothing you can do about them. Anime niggas are sensitive as fuck. That's just what I'm just getting at. It's just, well... Niggas need to chill. I mean, that's what happens when you, like, pair your, like, self-worth and personality to an IP. So, like, I mean... It ain't worth it. Like, Agreed. I, I hate when niggas say this because I feel like it's so... It's not a good enough insult, but like touch grass. I feel like that's not a good enough like thing to tell them to do. I was like, it's not... That's just like the very beginning of what they need to do. But yeah, like touch grass. Like, no. It's not about you. But right, 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 right. The internet is forever though. So take that screenshot, send it to their boss. Get them together. Shit's crazy. Um, yeah, that's all, that's all I have. Yeah. News, I did my recommendation, we covered those. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so, uh, um, we're gonna be starting a new segment where we're going to be asking ourselves and you all, um, a question of the week, and then we're gonna come back with our answers at the beginning of the next episode. And um, for this week, I mean, James came up with the episode, but you know, we will have uh, questions that we will have that we will have thought about beforehand. But then also, sometimes we will form the questions as we go through the episode and we talk about the current things from this week. So, um, James, what happened? This is what happened this week. So one of the themes I took away from at least the stuff I was watching this week was the idea of strong supporting casts that are able to drive story, drive action, and drive interest without the main character necessarily being involved. Obviously, there are series that are more ensemble-oriented, but in particular, I'm thinking of 
uh, series like Hunter Hunter, um, you know, or uh, could be Kuroko no Basuke, my favorite Slam Dunk, like series where the the supporting cast get a lot of time on their own to be successful or to move the storyline on their own. So I think what we're hoping to talk about next week are examples of what we think personally, at least in our watching history, are the strongest supporting casts. And if you all have any ideas or any uh, suggestions, please leave them in the comments of this video um, or shoot them to us on Twitter. Then that will be the homework. And then... Honestly, um, you all can let us know what you think those people or those characters are um, in the comments of this episode. It's really easy to comment on YouTube if you're watching it on YouTube. Um, but elsewhere, you can let us know on Instagram because there will be a clip of it, etc., etc. Yeah. All right, that's all this week, y'all. So if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on social media, especially on YouTube at just regular anime savants. You can find us on Twitter on regular anime underscore savants because, you know, that person hasn't given up the name yet. And then on Instagram, TikTok, and your podcast platform of choice. Yep. And you can always hit me up on Twitter at Neural Handshake. But please, if you're going to go and chat with us on Twitter, use the anime savants Twitter account. So what it's there for, we post clips, we post links to other things, our upcoming uh, collaborations. Um, but yeah, reach out to us, chat with us, have a good time. Other than that, peace out. Bye.